you have this random flow of huggies and water bottles and uh, Captain Crunch cereal boxes. And the robot then you know, figures out how to stack these on top of each other without crushing the things underneath and creating a stable palette. It's like playing 3D Tetris in uh, real time. And the, the robot is just phenomenal at doing it. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. This episode is brought to you by Alpha Software Corporation. Alpha Software helps manufacturers digitize paper forms, making data collection fast and easy with built-in analytics dashboards. Get a free trial at alphasoftware.com slash M-E. One of my favorite parts about hosting this show is learning about all the incredible technological advancements that are affecting manufacturing today. And nothing blows me away more than the speed at which robotic intelligence is advancing. My guest today is right in the middle of it all, and he's here to tell you about how supply chains will evolve and specifically what warehouses of the future will look like as robots continue to get smarter and smarter. Let me introduce him. Michael Perry is the Vice President of Marketing at Dexterity, where he helps customers, partners, and recruits understand how warehouses can use AI-enabled robots to grow their operations. Before Dexterity, Michael was Boston Dynamics Vice President of Business Development, where he led the go-to-market campaigns for the company's first commercial products, Spot and Stretch. He also was the general manager of North America and director of strategic partnerships at DJI, where he built the enterprise partnership ecosystem and sales channels for the world's leading drone manufacturer. Michael is a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin with degrees in government and Chinese. After spending years bouncing around Shanghai, Kuala Lumpur, Hong Kong, and LA, he is now settled outside of Boston with his wife and two dogs. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here. Well, it's awesome to have you. Uh, well, Michael, we, uh, you, you were talking to me uh, a few days ago when we were kind of prepping for this conversation about how robots have traditionally worked really well in manufacturing or warehouse settings where there's consistency among every unit that comes down the line. But when all of a sudden any level of variability is introduced, the robots don't know what to do. And I'm curious to hear from your perspective, what's starting to change from an intelligence standpoint to address this? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, many people are familiar with robotic arms. Uh, they've seen them in manufacturing contexts. Uh, you know, notably, if you've been to an auto plant over the past 20 years, these systems are everywhere but you get a very fixed idea of what these robots are, how they operate and what they can and cannot do. In most contexts, these robot arms are given a very specific task with very confined sets of operations. Pick up this item that is the exact same every time and put it into a location that is 
you know, microns level precise in its placement. Now, over the past few years, you've had uh, cobots or AI-enabled robots that give them a little bit more flexibility, but you also see some constraints there, most notably speed. They're very slow. That's because they have to be cautious and working close to people, or they're thinking a lot and trying to say, what is the thing that I'm supposed to pick up? How am I going to pick it up? Where am I going to put it? And all of these different challenges. We're at a new era of warehouse robotics or robotics in general, where robots have a lot more intelligence to handle the wide variety of things that are presented to them and the wide variety of environments where they can be deployed and be useful. So you're no longer having to say every single time, this is exactly the item that you're gonna pick up and you're gonna know its size, weights, dimensions, material conditions every time you touch it. And by the way, you, you're going to put it into this place that is you know, narrowly constrained. You're, you can have all of these different senses, including sight, sense of touch, um, you know, some logic to think about how you're going to place something based on what you see in the environment that helps ro uh, robots react rather than just follow the rote set of instructions. All of that starts enabling a wide range of applications that even three years ago, when I first started looking at ro warehouse robotics, were considered too difficult for automation. Yeah, that's pretty cool to hear. So as you think about, you know, what the warehouse of the future might look like, um, what kind of things are you going to see that are, are going to be different and changing? Well, there's kind of two thought processes about the way the warehouse of the future would look. One is this idea of the lights out warehouse, where truck pulls up, material gets offloaded, it goes into a large automated storage and retrieval system, uh, you know, they, these systems depalletize, they will segment things out, they'll decant boxes into large totes, and then eventually pick those tote from those totes into um, customer orders, they'll be wrapped up, and then they get shot out the other side for somebody to put them in the back of a truck. Okay, so that's one way of doing that. It's possible, it's very CapEx intensive, if one thing goes wrong, then you start wondering about whether or not this system is actually going to have the, the amount of uptime that uh, uh, warehouse customers need in order to be successful. The other way of thinking about this is thinking about how to optimize existing human processes with robots. Now, there's some downsides to that. Obviously, with these large ASRS systems, uh, fully automated warehouses, you get a lot of efficiency in throughput but they're incredibly costly, difficult to maintain. And like I said, the minute there's a hiccup in the system, a person can't go into that process to you know, start doing the, the job of, of uh, the warehouse itself. If you have warehouse robots sit, sit next to people as they're operating, depalletizing, simulating, inducting, uh, picking objects into a bin, using the same processes that a person does, you have a lot more flexibility to say, we're gonna scale up or scale down the number of people or number of robots, depending on the location. If the air hose goes out or the networking goes out in this location, which unfortunately it does from time to time, we still have this redundancy in our operations to stay up. But 
the challenge with that is it requires a lot more intelligence and flexibility in robots in order to be successful in that environment. And we're just now at that point where robots have that full set of capabilities to be successful in those types of human workflows. Let's, Michael, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the supply chain and specifically how robots are going to be able to help uh, and fix some of the pain that's being felt there over the past few years, or at least how they could. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big challenges is visibility. Um, you know, I just speaking from personal experience, I'm working on a home reno project and, you know, these, you know, the windows that we have are delayed by several months, not because of the glass itself, but the hardware components for the glass have been sitting on a dock, we think, in Shanghai for the last four months. So that's what the manufacturer thinks. They don't actually know where, where is the good. Is it in Shanghai? Is it on a boat? Is it at the port of Los Angeles waiting to be unloaded? Is it at their, you know, their distributor? It's, it's really opaque where items are in um, the, the current workflow. Now, where robots can play an interesting role here is not just alleviating some of the top, the first order effects that most people think of in terms of the supply chain. You have an aging workforce, you have a lot less interest in these physically intense, uh, you know, low cognitively rewarding jobs. Uh, so robots can step in and do some of the material handling in these, these roles. But the second order effect is really interesting, which is each time a robot picks up something, it can log information about what it's picking up. So it can scan a barcode or you know, give you material conditions of, of the package that it's picking up. It can tell you how fast it's gone from one side of the warehouse to another just by all the different touches it's had throughout the, the warehouse. So that data gives you a lot more information about where materials are, how they've flown from one side of the supply chain to another, and provide a lot more accuracy in planning. Oh, we know that these items are moving slow, slower through the supply chain than we thought. This is a good time to start dual sourcing than we, than we needed. Um, or, you know what, we're seeing this uptick in demand, and we know that these materials flow slower than others. So we're going to order these in bulk before we start getting uh, starved of some of these critical components. So there's this wealth of data that's sort of being collected um, as a result of, of automation that's just feeding back into the system and helping you to do things even smarter. That's right. Very cool. Michael, are there any success stories that you can tell us um, from you know situations where robotics intelligence has transformed the way a company has been operating inside of their supply chain or their facility. Yeah, absolutely. So you know we've been uh, at Dexterity, we've been working with a number of companies that are looking to apply automation in their brownfield facilities. Again, this is the notion that we've got an existing workflow. We don't have the time, we don't have the CapEx budget to clear everything out and replace it, you know, all of our operations with automation-friendly uh, workflows. The robots have to fit within the exact, the existing manual process and be successful. 
Now that that's really challenging and daunting, particularly with some of these particular applications that we're looking at. But one of our first big applications was deploying at a bread uh, fulfillment site here in uh, the Northeast. So uh, our customer supplies bread to uh, grocery stores across the Northeast, um, and they needed a robot that was able to fulfill bread orders, picking both individual loaves of bread, tortillas, uh, cookies, chocolate cake, uh, chocolate cakes, you know, you name it, had to build these trays with all of these different baked items inside a tray. And then also pick at the same time, tray loads of goods. So you might have one tray that's whole wheat, rye, sourdough, hot dog buns, whatever. And then on top of that is a tray just of hot dog buns. Um, and what they were really afraid of in looking at the automation space out there is that for each one of these major SKU types, they're going to need a separate robot. And then on top of that, they're going to need a separate robot to pick at the trade level, and then a separate robot to take all of those trays, stack them on top of each other, and then a separate robot to roll the, the, the conveyor out to somebody to grab them and put them into the back of the truck. This was at the height of the pandemic when getting people into a warehouse was really challenging. And you know, this company takes a lot of pride in fulfilling their customer demand. And you know, I'm sure you remember at that time, all of us were afraid, afraid of empty store shelves. And so nobody wanted to see bread missing from their store shelf. So that's where Dexterity came into the frame. With one robot, we were able to pick at the unit level all of this wide mix, I think of over 10,000 SKUs. And each one of those SKUs is slightly different because bread, uh, as it bakes, it puffs differently and shrink wrap around it, morphs in different funny ways. It flops, the tortillas flop in, in a way that uh, a, a cookie uh, box doesn't. So one robot had to be able to pick each one of those goods and pick at the trade level and fit within this existing workflow, which is like a street of all of these different single scoop goods and all of these orders that are going back the other side. So that really required a wide variety of cutting edge robotic approaches. Um, you know, that, that's vision. Um, so being able to look at all of this different stuff and figure out what is the edge of this, you know, deformable plastic package and you know, figuring out how to grab it. And once it's grabbing it, the robot needs a sense of touch to be able to pick it up without crushing the bread. Because I'm sure you can imagine, robots love to crush bread and yet being able to pick something up gently without deforming the bread, deforming the package is important. It has to pack it in the tray and then you know, kind of shuffle the, the goods together so you're maximizing the tray occupancy and then figure out how to stack the trays on top of it and to push it out to um, somebody waiting for it to uh, put into the back of their truck. So that's a success story where you had this very complicated workflow that required a lot, you know, traditionally would require an absurd amount of automation to the point that it would never make sense financially to deploy all of these robotic systems just to handle this one task. But now we're at a point where one robot can handle the full range of tasks that you would expect in this application. And 
you know, provide human-like throughput rates uh, you know, to, to backfill the, the workers that couldn't be there during that time or may not want to join because, you know, they, they're busy doing other stuff. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're tackling other challenges in the space that also require that level of flexibility, whether that's singulating inducting packages, uh, you know, these lava flows of packages that are coming down a chute, figuring out which ones, uh, uh, you know, a carton of curing pods and which one's a deformable poly bag and then pushing it onto a trace order. Uh, I, I personally am amazed every time I see our robots uh, uh, palletize mixed skew goods, uh, meaning you have this random flow of huggies and water bottles and uh, Captain Crunch cereal boxes. And the robot then you know, figures out how to stack these on top of each other without crushing the things underneath and creating a stable pallet. It's like playing 3D Tetris in uh, real time. And the, the robot is just phenomenal at doing it. So these are the types of complicated, cognitively complex uh, challenges that robots are just now able to start doing. And they're providing a transformative dis uh, difference for our customers. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Still using paper forms for inspections? Alpha Software Corporation helps manufacturers turn paper forms into powerful mobile apps. You'll create more accurate and thorough manufacturing data. And built-in dashboards will help your managers pinpoint quality and supplier issues faster. You don't need to have any development skills to build apps with Alpha Software. They offer app templates that make it easy. Get a free trial at alphasoftware.com slash M-E. That's really cool to hear. So, so what, you know, as you kind of look ahead, what, what's got you most excited about sort of the future of robotics and where things, where do you think will be, things will be headed over the next decade? Yeah. So, you know, I, I started telling you about how we're tackling some of these tasks individually. And if you break down everything that's in a warehouse, you have, you know, unloading the back of a truck, maybe depalletizing, you have something that's inducting things into storage from storage, and then it's, um, you know, picking each picking for an order, whether that's at the case level or at the individual goods for e-commerce fulfillment. And then it's stacking things on top of each other and then palletizing them and putting them into the back of a truck. Okay, so I've just described all of these different applications individually, but where the magic happens is where you start daisy chaining all of these solutions together. So you're bringing the depalletizing, the inducting, the order fulfillment, the palletizing, all with robotic systems. And that's where this data play becomes really powerful. At the beginning of the process to the end of the process, a robot is touching these goods as they're moving through the warehouse. You get a real-time snapshot of what's happening in your warehouse facility. And as you pop up a level, you can start seeing the real-time performance of all of your warehouses across your network. And if you're a customer that has a longer supply chain, you can start sharing that data both upstream and downstream to help your partners understand how, what is the velocity of goods moving through your system? When can they expect them? You get a lot more transparency and a lot better planning and figuring out how these how uh, uh, goods are moving through your facilities so that you can order correctly, 
you can uh, maybe cut down the amount of goods that you store at any one time and maybe save some of your warehouse space for the slower velocity goods that you need to have on hand. Tell us a little bit about Dexterity. Dexterity has been around since 2019. We spun out of um, uh, Stanford's robot research lab. And uh, what we do is provide uh, the machine intelligence for robots to handle these you know, complex tasks. We kind of came to the table thinking the traditional robot arms is a pretty fixed commodity item. You know, you see a, a wide variety of robot arms out there. There are phenomenal OEMs making these robot arms right now, but they're often hamstrung in getting scale in some of these applications because they don't have the right vision system, the right sense of touch, the right ability to collaborate with other robots on a shared task. So we've created one platform that includes vision, sense of touch, collaborative planning, data analytics. And what we could do is take all of these individual pieces and script them together so that you can have applications like like, like I was telling you before, the multi-skew pallet building, where the robot is looking at this messy pile of goods flowing down a conveyor belt towards it, and it's planning, how am I going to pick and place all of these different goods so that I create a stable pallet without crushing things underneath? That requires XYZ bits of the dexterity platform. Our engineers are able to pull those together into an application. Again, the cool thing about this system it's not just our ability to react to uh, you know, large scale applications on the fly, um, but we can also create systems that integrate seamlessly with existing infrastructure and workflows. That means you have very low downtime in actually getting a new system set up. You know, we're talking about 48 hours to get this multi-skew palletizer set up in a new uh, workspace. Our singulator inductor, you know, so long as you have the right power and uh, comm set up inside your facility, we can deploy in as little as 24 hours. And uh, you know, that's a step change from the way that we traditionally think about automation, which requires a lot of work in order to reconfigure spaces for uh, robots to be successful. Using the dexterity platform, using this new intelligence, we're able to adapt to our environment and get human-like throughput in some of these really complex tasks with minimal site infrastructure changes. It's just amazing to listen to you talk about some of this. It's uh, wild how much has changed in you know the last five or 10 years even, and exciting to think about where things are going. Absolutely. Um, and the, the thing that's also really exciting to us is that you know it's one thing to do some of these things in a lab and see them tested and validated and you get some really cool results but where somebody like me gets really excited is seeing them deployed and knowing that you know folks here living on the east coast if they're going to the supermarket and they're buying bread they're likely buying bread that's been touched by our robots if you're on the West Coast and you're receiving packages from a large e-commerce provider and a large uh, retailer, they've likely been touched by our robots. And to that extent, we're able to make a transformative dis difference, not just for our customers, but for the people that actually are expecting goods to show up on time and be available to them. And, and that's a 
a really profound feeling. That's a more meaningful thing right now than probably it's ever been, just given the way things have played out over the last few years in the world. So pretty cool. Absolutely. Michael, is there anything else you'd like to add to the conversation that I didn't ask you about today? Um, I think the the one thing that I, I it's just a personal passion of mine is uh, uh, when, I, when I start thinking about some of the things that really lit up my imagination, looking at dexterity for the first time, um, I, I started seeing these robot teams working together to accomplish a task. And this is a totally nerdy side tangent, so please bear with me. But um, one of the things that I, I thought was really cool was not just seeing these robots individually capable of tackling some of these challenges, like, again, in our parcel induction uh, workflow, you, you just have these packages and boxes and even bowling balls and a box full of earthworms coming down a chute and the robot has to figure out how to like move things around to figure out how to grab each one individually and put it on a, a, a sorter, tilt trace sorter. But the real cool thing was starting to see two robot arms doing these tasks next to each other. So they're working on the same chute. They're able to get the same level of human throughput because you know you wouldn't expect somebody to have you know, the same level of throughput with one arm tied behind their back. So having two arms helps us get at or beyond human parity and throughput. But we start seeing these really novel things where um, oversized packages, heavy packages, bowling balls sh that shouldn't be coming down the chute eventually do, right? Um, and, you know, the level of things that we started encountering that were like that were way beyond the spec for you know, what we thought a reasonable amount of human intervention should be. So in a traditional sense, you would see one of these heavy packages come down the chute. The robot would say, I can't pick it up. Somebody come and help me. And then the person would come disentangle this problem. We're seeing so much of that that we said, well, the robots need to figure out how to handle this themselves. It's happening at such a, a high rate that the robots have to figure this out. So what we've done is teach the robots to come together to pick up the package together and induct it together. So you have these individual agents that are working one after another, putting packages on the sorter, but then they come together when they have something that's oversized or too heavy and they'll pick it up working together to place it on the belt. And then they'll go back to doing their, their regular workflow. And that's pretty magic where you have not just the individual intelligence of a robot, but then the shared intelligence of the ro robots working together. Right now, that's being you know, done in a, a fixed way, right? So you have these robots locked down and they're working uh, from a fixed pedestal. But you can imagine a world where these robot arms are mobile and you know, going down the, a line on, a, on an AGV or an AMR, one says, oh, I need a help with something. And they call a robot, over, a robot arm over to help them lift something or move something. That's a future that we're moving towards pretty quickly. And um, it lights my imagination on fire with all the possibilities. Oh, I can see, I can see the passion just from watching you talk here. It's gotta be pretty exciting to you know, be behind the scenes watching all this unfold. Absolutely. 
Well, Michael, great conversation today. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and also where they can learn more about Dexterity? Absolutely. So um, you can reach us at dexterity.ai. We have more information about the Dexterity platform, some of the solutions that we have in singulation induction, um, mixed skew, uh, pallet building, and so on. Uh, Visit us on LinkedIn. We've got uh, I, I hate to tutor our own home, but we've got some pretty cool videos of robots doing interesting stuff. So swing by the LinkedIn page to, to see what we're up to. Um, also, please feel re- free to reach out to me, um, Michael Patrick Perry on LinkedIn. I'm always excited to talk about robots. Um, like I, I can't imagine a scenario where somebody said, hey, I just want to learn more about this industry and what robots are capable of. I always love those conversations and uh, I always learn from as much as I, I end up sharing. So that's a, a little bit of the selfish part uh, for me as well. So yeah, please reach out and always eager to, to chat. Perfect. Well, Michael, thanks for doing this today. My pleasure. Thank you, Joe. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. Before we go, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Alpha Software Corporation. Alpha Software helps manufacturers digitize paper forms, making data collection fast and easy with built-in analytics dashboards. Get a free trial at alphasoftware.com M-E. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.